Danny Kua, you're the great advocate of China, explaining the expansion of China, the development, growth, success of China, and indeed all of Asia. And yet, here are words you wrote, lacking good institutions, Asia stuffs itself full of bad ones. Entrenched extractive elites, corrupt public procurement, government bureaucracies serving not the public, but themselves. That doesn't sound to me like the future. That sounds to me like the past, an era of robber barons. Yes, well, what we have to distinguish here is what happens to the state and what happens to the people. I'm a big advocate of the process of economic development that's brought hundreds of millions of Chinese and East Asians out of the deepest poverty. In many situations, they've done that with the help of the state. In some others, they have succeeded despite the state. So you say, for example, let China get rich, and that's, as it were, good for the world. Is that right? That, that's absolutely right, yes. But if we don't have institutions, democratic institutions, legal institutions, then all that happens is this description of the place as a place where the oligarchs get richer and richer. And I'm wondering whether or not there is a role for democratic and legal reform, whether it's just an add-on, a luxury you don't care about too much, or whether it's a sine qua non, an essential to future development in this region. What we would like is to see a political legitimacy that these governments attract. What we have to recognize is that the trappings that we acknowledge of Western democracy are one device by which a state can attract that political legitimacy. Another device by which you might do that is being able to deliver the goods. And I think that if what we're worrying about is whether a state, a leader of the world, a leader of the region can deliver the right things, the right goods and services to their people, that's really the target. So in a way, even if it's not democratic, and we talk about that means in a minute, even if it's not democratic and they deliver the outcomes, that's okay from your point of view. I think what we need are checks and balances against an overwhelming power of the state in many situations, but of robber barons in others, of the top elite in yet other nations. It's the checks and balances that keep societies moving forward. So uh, in a way, like Tim Besley, who did a grilling some weeks ago, it's not elections, it's accountability, it's law. Would that be a caricature of your position or would that be a fair one? I think that is fair. But I might even go further. Law is one way by which we can guarantee that accountability. You know, what we like, it, sometimes I worry that our faith in political systems is akin to a misplaced faith that many economists have in the free market system. We like to think that given people have the right earners, goodwill, we give them a mechanism, we step back, and we watch societies unfold. That's really the beauty of the free market. That's really the beauty of the invisible hand, Adam Smith's invisible hand. And I think often, as observers, we like to think that political systems share that same hands-off autonomy that will deliver goods and services. Yeah. Often that fails, just as it does for free markets. And what we have to do is to be mindful of when it fails. So is there a kind of temptation here to say kind of elections, well, that's something that came out of Europe, and human rights, you know, promoted by the Americans and so on, is a little bit of a cultural artifice too. Are you close to being uninterested in the protection of regional rights or individual rights? No, far from it. I think that there are such things as universal human values 
All of us want that. Freedom from poverty and starvation, control of our environment, freedom from arbitrary, uh, arbitrary arrest. I think all of these we can agree on. The rest of this are devices by which we achieve that. We have to recognize that some of the greatest champions of Western human rights were themselves deeply disrespectful of them. The United States, for instance, was very much a laggard in respecting the human rights of minorities, uh, far behind the, the, the rest of Western Europe. But they have come through because they emphasized a delivery of goods, a well-being to their people. Can a country like China cope with something like global warming without some kind of election-based democratic accountability? I think by, con by contrast, China is adapting really well and responding really well to the challenge of global climate change in ways that many of the developed West is not. China and many parts of East Asia know firsthand the dangers that come from the environment pushing back at them. We have floods in Bangladesh taking out tens of thousands of people. We have pollution in the environment, rivers polluted in China. China sees firsthand what's happening here. And in some ways, it is doing more than the rest of the West is. Danny Kuo, thank you very much for subjecting yourself to the guilty grilling. Thank you very much.